Living Word Hanford welcomes you as well, always prays for you. Living Word Hanford is growing. Um, we're seeing God do some tremendous things. And so you are part of a bigger movement. You're not just a lone church. You're part of what God is doing here in the Central Valley. We are already having on our mind to be able to plant a church in Porterville. That, that's going to be our, our next launch is into Porterville. We're looking at building churches, partnering with churches, partnering with your church. There'll be, there's going to come a day when your church will launch pastors out to another city. And we will be behind that work. We will support that work. The city of Tulare needs, needs a living word. We, we know that, that they're, they're in Bakersfield, there's only one living word in Bakersfield. And there's over 300,000 people. So this whole valley is ours. How many can say amen to that? Amen. Our whole valley is ours. And so this morning, um, I also would like to pray and give you a word that God gave me early this morning. And I pray that and this word is going to, I believe, is going to be directly meant for one or two people here this morning. So let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, as I begin to minister, I would like to first share what you gave me this morning, God. I pray in the name of Jesus for the anointing of the Holy Spirit that you would move right now in this place. In Jesus' name. I believe if, if I could earmark what is wrong or what is our struggle this morning, it would be one area. Stop owning what you're not supposed to have. You are owning things at times. You are, you are owning a um, diagnosis. You're, you're, you're owning what people have told you about yourself. And it is not true. Don't own it no more. If the, what the enemy has, has given to you, you need to discard this morning. God has a plan for your life. And I want you to, to not look back, but hold on to what God has for you. There is a destiny. There is a plan for your life. It is not by mistake that you are here. It is not by mistake that I am here. I believe it is the plan of God for me and you and God is going to speak to us this morning. But stop owning, stop, uh, stop owning what the enemy has said you need to own. You need to grow this morning and say, you know what? I'm tired of living in my past. How many are tired of living in your past? You know, the, how many are tired of, of, of being awoken with dreams of your past? Where you're being awakened, reminded about what you've done or where you've been. Well, this morning, my goal is to encourage you that we need to stop looking behind us and look forward. I had a sermon prepared, and as during worship, God began to speak to me about changing the course of the service in my heart. And so this morning, um, I'm going to be preaching, and I, I want to hear these words continually. It is not what is ahead that can hurt us. It is what we keep looking at behind us. It is the things in our past that we allow to live that will consume us. There are things, there are struggles that we have in our past that we need to let go. And this morning, I'm, I'm going to share with you, if we do not continue to look forward, the things of our past will drag us down. And I'm going to tell you guys something, if I can be honest, there are secret lusts, there are secret failures that nobody else knows about but you, that we can keep alive in our hearts that will destroy our destiny. There are things that we have done when we were kids or things that were done to us when we were kids or things that we've done that we've, have happened as adults. And yet, the Spirit of God doesn't want you to look backward no more. The Spirit of God wants you to look forward so you can see the destiny and the plan of God for your life. Now, this morning, we could turn to 
Genesis chapter 19. reading of the NIV, this is a ESV this morning. Genesis chapter 19. We're looking at verse 13 through 19. We'll start at verse 12. And I, I'm going to tell you something. There's so much talk about conspiracy in the world today, about what can hurt us, what can destroy us. I'm going to tell you something, what can hurt you the most is not contracting a disease. It is not anything in your past that can hurt you. It is what you treasure in your past that's going to hurt you. Things that, that broke you down, things that ripped you off, that you hold on to, that you treasure, those are the things which are most dangerous to your life. 1912 says this, the two men said to Lot, do you have anyone else here, sons-in-law, sons or daughters or anyone else in the city who belongs to you? Get them out of here because we are going to destroy this place. The outcry of the Lord against its people is so great that he has sent us to destroy it. We understand the city was going to be destroyed because of their sins. And so what God did, he gave a heads up to the family. Take everybody that you're related to and get them out. Everybody, because this city's going to be destroyed. Judgment's going to fall. See, I want you to know something. Judgment will always fall on anyone that does not live in the destiny of God. Because if you're in line with the destiny of God, you will be in a place where you will be able to be fluent in where you're going. It's the people in rebellion that are doing the things that their flesh wants them to do, they will be distracted. They will not enter into their promised land. And see, these two angels appeared and told Lot, we're going to destroy the whole land. Get your family out. I'm going to share with you something here. Hear my heart. There are times God speaks judgment and tells people, stop messing around because judgment's coming. There's going to come a time there will be no altar calls. There may even come a time in your life where, where calling your pastor won't fix your marriage. There might even come a time where, where calling your brothers to pray for you won't matter no more. Because you have went too far in your area of hidden sin. And when God speaks to you, it's going to be too late. I've talked to men and women that have played with their spirituality and played with their Christianity too long. When God speaks judgment, we must respond. So we have here... In verse 13, because we're going to destroy this place. Now, they'll go to 14. And I'm going to read through 19. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law, who were pledged to marry his daughters. He said, hurry, get out of this place, because the Lord is about to destroy this city. But his sons-in-law thought he was joking. And when the coming of dawn, the angels urged Lot, saying, hurry, take your wife. And your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept away when the city is punished. And when he hesitated, the men grasped his hand and the hands of his wife and the two daughters and led them safely out of the city, for the Lord was merciful to them. 
As soon as they had brought them out, one of them said, flee for your lives. Hear me out. Don't look back and don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you will be swept away. But Lot said to them, no, my Lord, please. Your servant has found favor in your eyes and you have shown kindness to me. But I can't flee to the mountainside. This disaster will overtake me or I'll die. Look. Here is a town near enough to run to it. It is small. Let me flee to it. Interesting. Look at verse 23. And by the time Lot reached Zoar, the sun had risen over the land. Then the Lord rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah from the land out of the heavens. Thus he overthrew those cities and the entire plain, including those living in the cities. And the vegetation, but Lot's wife looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine that? God warning you, if you keep living in sin, your families are going to be destroyed. Run. Safety. The Bible says that she was told, do not look back. And yet the Bible says, and I'm going to try to go into the dramatic of the word, look back. It wasn't just a glance. Her whole body contorted and looked back as if she was still wanting the city. See, tonight, this morning, I'm going to talk about we need to be worried about what's behind us. I mean, not worry behind, look forward. Stop looking backward. Because if you continue to look backward, you will not find anything but just the wrath of God. Because what's behind you is sin. And God wants to do this of life for his children. How many can say amen to that? See, Lot's wife regarding warning. Verse 26 reports that Lot also lost his wife by looking back, evidenced by her affection for her life at Sodom. It's amazing how we we can become captured in our thought life about things that we're told to leave behind. That's why even Facebook can be dangerous. That's why... Social networking can be dangerous. Instagram can be dangerous. Because they can cause us to, to, to regain affections for things of our past. I, I've, I've counseled folks that all of a sudden, things they thought were dead, all of a sudden begin to rise up again. Why we believe in discipleship, even the music we listen to, and the entertainment of our hearts. Be careful that affections don't spark up. She was not in sin outwardly. But she had a hidden lust for her city. And Jesus explains to you in a minute what her lusts were. They were for possessions. See, this morning I'm challenging this church. God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for your life. But what hurts disciples is when they live in hidden sin and they continue serving God, but yet they keep looking back. Oh, it's always about 2 o'clock in the morning when the wife's asleep. It's always about 2 o'clock when you know no one's around. Click. See, listen. There are many things that God says for us not to look at. There are many triggers for us that can cause us to look back. You know what I think a trigger was for Lot's wife? The fact that she wouldn't be able to go back no more. And she realized, can I live without this in my life? One more look. One more taste. 
One more hi. One more phone call. One more friend request. Maybe she'll accept it. He'll accept it this time. It's a heavy thing, concept. Because we got to be very warned in our hearts what we're looking for. Triggers, triggers, triggers. We have to always be on guard of what could bring us backward. Lots, and you know what's sad? We don't even know her name. You know why? Because she had no destiny, no purpose. It was all wiped clean because of her passion. Because of her passion for the things of the world. See, the devil will lie to you about what you left behind and blind you to what you have. He'll blind you. He'll talk to you. He'll deceive you. Say, look what you're leaving behind. And yet he will lie to you about what you have. I've known many men that have forfeited the pleasure of a family for the pleasure of three minutes. I have known people that have, de- have lost jobs for a $20 sack. I have, I have known people that have gotten clean, yet kept a hidden desire for drugs. I have known people that have, have quote-unquote, uh, no longer talked to that person no more, but hope in their heart that I would get a response from them one day. It's a hidden passion and lust that, that hurts us. See, this morning, I want us to understand God has a plan for us, and we can't look back no more. And I can say this. this is kind of, I know this is not an easy message, and every time I come here, I bring this heavy message. Her disobedience connected her with the judgment of the city. I want you to hear that from me. Her disobedience connected her with the judgment of the city. Do you hear that? Everybody say God's judgment. Listen to me. Can you hear me? Her disobedience was connected with the judgment of the city. The city was going to be blown away. She was going to be brought to wrath. Can I tell you something? This is my heart. Christians should not live like the world. They should be able to look at you and go, you know what? They're a Christian. They're a Christian. They're a Christian. Listen, her judgment was connected with the with her, 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 her conviction and condemnation with the city. Now, look at verse 17 again. As soon as they had brought them out, one of them said, flee for your life. Don't look back. You know what she did? Tell me what she did. She looked back. She looked back. Can I tell you a secret? There's some things, and please forgive me. There are things that you know you need to stop doing. And God has told you in the secret of your heart, don't do it. See, there comes a point in our life where we need to find ourselves into a place of obedience. See, verse 17 describes that Lot's wife disobeyed the command of the angels. The result of her hesitancy was inclusion in the judgment against Sodom and Gomorrah. It wasn't that she was in even outward sin. It was in her hesitation of heart caused her to fall in judgment. Do you really love Jesus? Do you really want to be a Christian? Do you really consider yourself saved based on the condition and practice of your lifestyle? It's a heavy message. 
the message of judgment for the saint, for the new believer, for the disciple, for the old Christian. See, these are things that happen to unbelievers. Listen, there are things that happen to unbelievers that should not happen to Christians. We need to be examples in our marriage, in our children, in our lifestyles. But did you know now that in the world, the success rate of marriages is the same as unbelievers or unbelievers? You get 10 couples, five will get divorced. Even in the church. Why is that scary? Because there are people that have been indoctrinated with church and not inoculated with Jesus. They've not been mainlined with the gospel. They've not been infused with the message of holiness and righteousness and discipleship. But yet, they flee the very condition of their souls. I don't want to change. Yet I'll keep it hidden. I've known Christians to hide their secret pipe. But just in case. Throw that thing away, man. What's wrong with you? Well, it costs a lot of money. I don't care. I've known Christians that have kept images of pornography. And they, may, they call it art. You guys are mad at me, confused, or intrigued. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But your pastor will fix it when I'm done, I'm sure. (laughs) See, hear me. There are things that happen to unbelievers that should not happen to Christians. Lot's wife should have followed her husband. It was her place to follow her husband. If her husband says, let's go, you go. If the husband was given a directive to his wife, you are not to look back. You don't have that secret friend no more. I don't care if you went to high school with him. Everybody say amen. amen. Now, look at verse 30 through 32. Now, hold on. We'll go there in a minute. As they were fleeing towards Zoar, Lot's wife stopped on the plain, and her backward look was far more than the momentary look because of the destruction of the cities that had begun. Listen, there there was something that she was missing. Be careful, Christian, what you miss, who you miss, what you miss. If you do not sacrifice it to Jesus, you will compromise everything you say you love. You will compromise your walk. I have known pastors that have been disqualified from ministry, not because of outward sin, but a confession of inward lust that they could not get rid of. And they could not operate successfully. I've known Christians that have have sabotaged their marriage because of of a mindset of a brand on their brain they could not remove because of a secret passion. This morning, we need to sacrifice in the, in the altars of our heart those things that we say we love so we can be the Christians God has called us to be so that we do not fall into destruction. Evidently, she refused all encouragement to leave and she lingered behind. There were no angels to grasp her unwilling hand as a deathly rain rushed towards her. 
She asked, Earth, you know the Bible says angels grabbed her hand and her husband is, go. But listen, and please forgive me, there may come a time, not that God will abandon you, but he'll abandon you to you. So you want to give up on it? It's yours. You want it so bad, knock yourself out, have fun. Have a blast. Do what you got to do. There were no angels. Listen, this is heavy. No angels were holding her hand this time except her husband's. And she refused his hand. She wanted to live in sin. Or she couldn't forget what she left behind. She wasn't thinking about what was ahead of her. See, this morning as disciples, as Christians of Jesus Christ, Christians, disciples, followers of Jesus, what do we keep looking back at? Why do you stumble? Let me tell you a secret. It may apply to you or somebody next door. When you tell your wife or family, I just drank a beer. It wasn't the beer that's destructive. It was what's in your heart while you drank the beer is destructive. It wasn't even the, the phone call or the, the conversation you had with that person. That's harmless. It's what happened in your heart when you talked to them that you couldn't shake. It, it's, it's, it's not the act that we do. It is the action that is produced by the act, not physically, but in the crevices of our heart. Who are we? Is it a costume? Or is there a transformation? Um, so what was her sin? We'll find it out right now. Luke chapter 17, verse 30. How many are with me this morning? Luke chapter 17. Verse 30 through 32. Luke chapter 17, verse 30. And it will end. It will be just like this on the day of the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, no one who is in the roof of his house with his goods inside should go down to get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. Verse 32. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to keep his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you, on that day, two people will be in bed. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding grain together. One will be taken, the other left. Where, Lord, they replied, where there a deadly body, there will also be vultures will gather. There are two understandings of this scripture. One is talking about the return of Christ. But I'm also going to tell you this. The Bible says two were in bed, one was left. Two were working in the field, one was left. Here's something you may have never heard. Why were two in bed and all of a sudden one was left? That's not describing the rapture. That's describing somebody who got out of that bed to leave that relationship because of a hidden lust in their heart. You'll even cause you to quit jobs over hidden lusts, over the quest for money. Two in the fields, one is left. 
That means they were working. One had bad intentions. Because if you read it in context, it's discussing Lot's wife about possessions, about things. One will be taken, one will be left. What could cause you to leave your family? What could cause you to lose your job? What could cause you to lose the security and the sanctity of your family? Possessions, things, people. How about this? People, places, and things could cause you to be left behind. And and a heavy message as I'm reading this verse. Look what it says again. Let's read it again. Verse 32. "Remember Remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to keep his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you that night two people will be in bed. One will be taken, the other left. One person made a choice. Listen, all choices are not good. And all choices aren't bad. But this morning, where are we with God? Listen to this carefully. Apparently, she lost her life because of her reluctance to get, to let go of her household, of her stuff. In a word, she was a wife after Lot's own heart, but without the grace. Her sorrow over her things so fixated her that she could not or would not move. Perhaps she decided that she would be better dead than separated from the things that she loved. That's called addiction tonight. That's called infatuation. When you would rather die... Then be said, be told, drop that thing. Don't do it no more. Oh, and we live in, a, a, I call it a pobrecito uh, time set in our life. We, we, you know, we have a drug problem. Oh, we're treated like, like babies that just wounded them. You got a boo-boo. You smoking dog. Yes, you are. You need to stop. You're such a good guy. No, stop doing it. We're, we're treated like victims in our culture. No, we're sinners. We need to get right. We're, we're sinners. You have an addiction. You have a lure of your soul. You know what you do? Stop it. Who do you love? But will you be willing to... I, listen, I've been around a minute. And I have seen preachers lose everything over an ugly girl. Out of the fair, like, oh my God. I have. I, I have seen people lose jobs. I spoke to a lawyer working at McDonald's. What happened, bro? You know what he told me? I developed a desire for cocaine. And I was disbarred. Here's this 50-year-old man asking, what size do you want that? When he should be in a courtroom. You know why? He used drugs in his college years, always loved it, but knew he was going to be a lawyer, so he had to stop, but still loved it. Let me ask you a question this morning, living word. What could cause you in the course of your life to stop and look at what's behind you? What could? What is there? What could stop you 
on your journey to serve God, maybe some of you are called to preach. What has disabled you from your calling? What about why won't your wife talk to you or be intimate with you anymore? Why won't your children embrace you? Hear my heart. Disciples, what causes you to do this? While your husband's pulling your hand, while your wife, while your kids. I have, I have talked to kids that begged their mom, don't go out, please. It's okay, me, will just lock the door, I'll be back. And CPS gets involved. I don't want to dig this deeper. I know we're getting uncomfortable because everybody's moving around on me. But I really want you to hear this. There's a message to be told that we usually don't go to the restaurant when we pay 15 bucks for a movie. Amen? So pretend like you paid 50 bucks for the next 10 minutes. Because I want your attention. I want you to hear me. See, apparently she lost her life because of her reluctance. Her looking back, evidence and inclination to go back. I tell people all the time, Pastor, I'm not backslid. I go, yeah, you are. I love Jesus this morning. I'm not the most gentlest people at times. I know that. Scares some people sometimes. But I love Jesus with all my heart. And I figured if I was going to be a diehard in the world... Why can't I give God my best as a Christian? My goodness, I was willing to get down for what I believed. My goodness, why can't I be that kind of diehard now? See, this morning, whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life will keep it. Sacrifice. We live in a culture we don't want to sacrifice. We want to have a nest egg, usually of sin. Nest eggs are when you stockpile money and you keep it away just for that rainy day. Well, there's some of us. You wait to fight with your wife to call that person. Maybe not you other churches. You don't really sever the relationship. You just kind of dilute it. You, you, you get to a place. I want, I want you to know that the kind of people that we are and I am, my goodness, I always, I need the good stuff. I don't want to waste my money on diluted cut. I want the real deal. You know how you get the real deal? By a total commitment and dedication to Jesus Christ. Because then you sacrifice it. You say, you know, me and my wife, she, she mentioned it. We quit our jobs in L.A. I sold my home. Making 75000 a year with increases coming. I was an HR professional for a security firm out of LAX. My wife running a medical office. We could easily blow on a weekend four or five, six hundred bucks and not worry about it. And yet when my pastor called me and I spoke to my pastor and I knew the call of God was on my life to pioneer in the church plant. And I knew even from my beginning of years that I was going to be a church, a pastor of pastors. I knew that in my heart. 
We have not looked back. I surrendered my job. We sold my home. For one year, we paid double mortgage because the house deal did not go through. And I had to pay 1200 bucks in L.A. for a mortgage on a property and 1200 bucks here. There were times my refrigerator was bone dry. You know why I did it? Because I wasn't looking back. I was not looking back. I knew that God called me to flee Los Angeles and come here. My first pulpit was a television screen. And my Bible put on my television screen. And I, and I, I didn't know how to do anything. I didn't even know how to introduce, introduce myself as Pastor James. I didn't know how to do anything. My first marriage, I didn't know how to do anything. They don't train you how to do this stuff. They just send you. Go. And yet the reason why we can say we have any success today was because we did not look back. Don't get me wrong. I've felt the fires the, where my hair on my arms has been singed because of fire all around me. Where it's not been easy. Paying bills. And if you're part of this church, there should be no reason why you're not tithing. You got quiet on me. If this is your church, support it. Nobody goes to your neighborhood market and goes, I'll, 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 you know, I'll, do, I'll get double groceries next month. No, wherever you're getting fed, you pay. And then me and my wife had to sacrifice to be here. Oh, don't get me wrong. The only reason why we made it, because we held each other by the hand and go, babe, we're going to make it. I want it. This church right here is a blessing. This sister right here was the first one that started it. I called Carl's 11, Pastor Carl's 11 o'clock at night. And we better call this girl. She's looking for a church. We didn't have one. What do I do? Start it. And you're here today. You're here today. I remember talking to your pastor about coming here. And he told me, I'm not going, I'm not coming back. I mean, if he's going to do this thing, I'm not going to, I'm not going to not come back. I'm going to make it happen. So if you're a disciple in this room, you need to be next to that man, asking him what he needs from you. You need to say, what do you need from me? Because I've worked with disciples that they say they have my heart and they're always looking back at the world. You got to be willing. Listen, if your pastor is looking that direction, if he has vision for that area, all your vision should be there. Where is pastor looking at? Well, then I need to look right there. I, I may not understand why we're looking at that corner, but guess what? Can I tell you a secret? It don't matter. You just follow your pastor. He's a good man, a man of integrity. I've worked with him for almost eight years. Eight years. I'm telling and challenging this church. Judgment is going to come upon anybody that walks out of the will of God. I have known disciples that should be behind pulpits. And because of secret sin, they've disqualified themselves temporarily. Finite disqualification happens upon death. And then it's over. So this morning, as I bring this to a close, Hebrews 4, verse 6. You guys with me this morning? Amen. 
The Bible says in verse 6 through 7, 4, 6, it, will re- it still remains that some will enter that rest. And those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. Therefore, God again set a certain day. Everybody say certain day. Calling it today. When a long time later, he spoke through David as he said before, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Let me tell you a secret. Today's the day. Stop it. If you hear God calling you, if you hear God warning you, if you, let me tell you something. Me and my wife, first year of our marriage was horrible. Horrible. I, I counsel folks, I, I start with that. So, you know, we, we, don't, we were separated, what, four times the first year? Four times. In church. Four times. You know what happened to me? A preacher sat me down, called me stupid. And a few, huh? Amen. He said, today is the day. If you don't hear from God, you're going to lose your marriage. We were so opposite in our relationship. She grew up academically strong. I grew up dropped 10th grade gangbanging in Los Angeles. I was on drugs. She wasn't. I got saved at a gang rally. She got saved at like a Tim Story charismatic fluffathon or something. And I, <laughs> I, 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 see, it's kind of like, you know what I mean? It was like opposite. I'm half white, Mexican, white. She's full-blooded. She used to make fun of my, you know, I was trying to talk, you know, trying to be a Chicano, and, you know, and she'd make fun of me. And our, our marriages were totally separate. I had to hear God. And I'm, I'm not sure why I'm even telling this story, but I believe it makes sense at the end. The Holy Spirit spoke to me about saving my family, my future family that wasn't there yet. I had to get right in my heart. Pastor Rick Fasulo spoke into my heart. Said some crazy things to me in that counseling session. But I was done. I needed, I, I don't, I need sledgehammers. I don't need, I don't need little chunklas. I need, bang, boom. I do. I, I need, I need to be hit. And so Pastor Rick said some crazy things to me. I saved my family. God saved my family, but I had to learn. I had to learn to submit to the voice of God that says, you better stop it. The question I have for you this morning, are you listening to the voice of God? Where are you at this morning? What are you going to lose today if you don't start making changes?